Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. Rajan and Patrick kicking off what we hope to be one of as many game-by-game recap podcasts for the Washington football team. Uh, This 2020 NFL season is possible by celebrating an incredibly gratifying, if not surprising, win over the Philadelphia Eagles by a final score of 27-17. Pat, let's just get right into it. It's just one win. It's only one game and one win out of one game this season, but at the risk of over-exuberance, like this one just hits different. The significance of the win shouldn't be understated. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, given the shit that this team's just gone through over so many years, and given the MO of this team for God knows how long, um, it's just, like I said, it, it just, this is this hits different. This felt different. It felt incredibly gratifying, as I mentioned. Um, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, no, I, you're kind of spot on. I, 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 uh, I, We'll say, hearkening back to our season preview uh, podcast, which was like an hour and a half. So anyone that listens to the whole thing, thank you. Um, Respect. Uh, but I did say we were going to beat the Eagles. I don't know why, uh, but I was like all in on it. Um, I'm really glad I was because uh, the word uh, – I wrote it down. The the word after the game to me was, what a cathartic win. Um, Good word. You know, the, the a year ago we were up 17 nothing in Philly opening day and then we got smoked um and the difference in the team yes we came back and won there's this there's obviously that like kind of parallel significance of the games but like the last six years that team would have folded like a lawn chair um I, it's just a one of the things you said in our last podcast of season preview was the the idea of like how much better coached are we going to be i think that like sh- shone bright today i think back to I think our, we had eight sacks, I think, eight sacks and three forced, uh, three forced turnovers. But my favorite sack was the Bostic sack on fourth down. Oh, and it wasn't, beautiful. it wasn't, a, yeah, it wasn't the sexiest sack. It was like Chase Young put Peters on a spin cycle for a strip sack, which was sweet. Uh, but he's like, first off, homeboy Minuski would never have blitzed there. Uh, second off, we, the, the reason I like thought of coaching right away was, they were playing with an offensive line that probably didn't take a single snap together in the entire like truncated training camp thing we went through. So sending the blitz confused the hell out of them and no one, I mean, it was like the siege party and thank God. I don't really think Bostic is that good. I think he's a good backup, but not a starter. Thank God he didn't whiff on the sack like he did in the first quarter. Yep. Remember that one. Um, You know, so the win was awesome. Haskins was a little bit like Alex Smith today, you know, no turnovers. The coincidentally, I just read Les Carpenter's piece in the post right before this. He threw for 178 yards, the last three wins. And Alex Smith threw 178 yards and a touchdown with no picks. So how weird. Like, eerie, just eerie. Eerie. Um, you know, there's things we need to, to clean up. We, um, I like our offense a lot. There's a lot of movement involved. I yes. loved how we had two play calls inside the five right away. So we didn't even huddle like small little coaching things like that. Big to me. Uh, we need better receivers. <laughs> um, no one can get any separation except for McLaurin, but he also had slay on him today. So like, I didn't expect him to have a big game. Um, and then the last two things I'll leave you with is the Haskins dapping people up on the sideline. The, Huge. The, We'll talk a lot about Haskins, but yes. Yeah, and then I'm just going to scream it from the mountaintops until it happens. This is kind of a negative turn here for me. Get Troy Apke off of my team. Yeah, from your mouth to Kyle Smith's ears. 
God, he's awful. I can't even I, – I, we saw so much curl today. I'm curious if he got benched because, like, God, he's bad. Uh, but those are my thoughts from today. I mean, what a cathartic win. I am pumped. You know, I started screaming Super Bowl sarcastically in my house today. Um, I obviously, no, we're not going to be in the Super Bowl. But I, I said it was going to be pandemonium if we beat Philly at home to start Ron Rivera. And not only do we beat them, we beat them by double digits. Uh, so cathartic is uh, is how I feel. I can't so remember if it's Tony Kornheiser or Steve Zabin who used to say, "Fire up the bandwagon." It's in it's full. Kornheiser. Is it Kornheiser? That's right. So yeah. it's 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 you know, fire it up, gas it up, baby. Take it out of the garage, take the cover off of it. It is in full gear. Um, obviously, tongue in cheek and all of that. Going back to the point about the you know with the difference, um, like the just the value of a replacement in terms of the coach, right? Like. The one thing that just kept shining through and a few text message exchanges I had with people after the game, it's how many times was it Washington, to your point, who would get out to this big lead and just fall apart after that, right? Just completely hitting on cruise control. Like we used to say that was one of Gruden's biggest bugaboos, right? That like the team started smelling its own, smelling itself way, 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 way too fast. The moment things went good, we loved ourselves and we just immediately like, you know, we rested on our own morals. There were a few games in particular. Um, one game, I don't know why this stuck out to me, in addition to the Eagles game last year. It was Gruden's lone playoff game against the Packers. Do you remember we went up like 14 nothing in that game? And yeah. we end up losing, right? Among, like, among many, many others that I'm sure I'm just missing off the top of my head. But it just it was so eerie yeah. in, a, in a way to kind of be on the opposite side of that where we're just getting our ass kicked. And to that end, how many times under the Gruden regime, if not other regimes, frankly speaking, was it that if we're down 17 nothing in the middle of the second quarter, like you've got dudes on the sidelines making dinner reservations and like they're checked out. They're like that. You know, this game is a laugher, like full disclosure. I was joking around with my friends in the Slack thread and I'm like, this already feels like one of those games where I put this game on mute and I just watch red zone full time, you know, on the, on the second TV. And I'm like, and I'll just keep an eye on, make sure nothing's happening. And to be completely honest on that point, I did put it on mute. I did full turn on red zone full time. Cause I'm like, all right, today's gonna be a laugher. Just another day in the life of the Washington football team and then when Moreau had the first pick and then we turned it into seven if I'm not mistaken if that was the sequence I was like all right let's turn this back on let's just see you know if if this is fake news or let's see that like this is legit um but I think to put it into context at uh, Fox flashed the stat that two things um this was the first time that this the Washington football franchise overcame a 17 nothing or 17 point deficits this the you like that game against Tampa Bay Number one. Oh, I was at I was at that game. And the second time, and the first time they overcame a seventeen nothing deficit to beat Philadelphia in sixty five years. Sixty five. Yeah, my math is correct. Since nineteen fifty five. So, again, those are big numbers. Those are big lofty statements or whatever. And it's just one game. It's just one game to use the old cliche. But just think about that context. It's just it's, it's so different, right? We outscored Philadelphia twenty to nothing in the second half. We outscored them twenty seven yeah, awesome. straight right? The Fox kept flashing that stat of like Wentz's first four drives or five, four drives. And then after that, Bubkis, right? And um, we'll talk about the defensive line a little more in a little bit, but it's funny. I love watching Philadelphia fans. One of my favorite things in the world in like, and they don't even have to be playing the DC sports teams, right? But like just watching them after any major loss, like Philadelphia fans throw their feces at each other, as well as any group of primates in the world in general like they just they are hucking their shit at each other 
sheer anarchy and I love it. It is the most heartwarming thing in the world. You've got the New Jersey shore guys. You've got the real, the, all the orange real housewives, husbands on one side. You've got the Philly cheesesteak guidos on the, it's just magical. And watching them like in this big Royal rumble against each other. And I love how they were all like trashing Carson Wentz after today. And Wentz wasn't great. Wentz was electric in the he first. Had no, he had no chance. Wentz was getting his ass handed to him by, as you said, yeah. like dudes so. just off the street, right? Like dudes working at FedEx last week. And like we were, you know, the Eagles were signing them and starting them. And, you know, no sympathy for them because signing offensive linemen and playing them, that's what the, what the Washington team did all of the second half of last year. So like, you know, 0.0% sympathy for me, but like the fact that so many of them pinned this on Wentz and they're like, you know, Nick Foles is my quarterback and let's start warming up Jalen Hurts after one game. One, I loved it. Just wasn't even active today. Yeah, I know. But like just the sheer idiocy of all of this, it was, it was magical. Um, and to finalize that point, Carson Wentz, his actually, if I, according to next gen, NFL Next Gen Stats, if I was reading this correctly, his completion percentage was actually 10% better than his expected completion percentage. So given the situation that he was in, he actually outperformed that. Uh, even with a QBR of 14.1 on the day, he actually outperformed his expected completion percentage. That's how bad the situation was around him. But wrapping it all up, and you alluded to this earlier, they were in a bad situation, and we actually had the coaches with enough of an IQ to take advantage of that situation, as opposed to being like, well, you know, we didn't do this, and we didn't need to coach him up better next week or whatever, you know, garbage we used to hear. Like, they took advantage of the Eagles being depleted in certain cases. And um, in the fact that they eventually kind of adjusted, you've mentioned about the Cam Curl, you mentioned Cam Curl, that they knew the Eagles receivers were garbage. At some point they realized, look, Deshaun Jackson with one arm and Greg Ward, and I don't even know who else was out there on the field. Maybe Matt Collins. I, don't, I didn't even see him, right? Like they can't beat us. Even as bad as our secondary was, and we'll get to them too, like as bad as they were, as they were they're not going to beat us with those guys. So as long as we can start doing something to kind of clamp down on Ertz and Goddard, who ate our lunch in the first half, um, you know, we should be able to do that. And I think we did. So let's, let's kind of go from there. Yeah, no, the tight ends have uh, <laughs> tight ends have been a bane of our existence for as long as I can remember being. It just felt like deja vu all over again. I don't care. I don't care who the coach is. Uh, I think Zert, er, Zert, Ertz and uh, Goddard had touchdowns today. I think. Yes, they both um, did. They, I think it was the first and second touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. Or they're, they're only two touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think the. Um, I'm glad you're about the Philly fans thing. Uh, Growing up, Dallas was always the team I hated the most. Uh, and actually, that's still true. I was going to say, uh, that's, that's 100% the truth for me. Uh, you know, and, and probably the Giants were a close second because uh, my my godfather actually is uh, – he's from New York. He's a diehard Giants fan. Um, and he and my dad, you know, they would go to RFK for the Skins-Giants game and they would go over to Meadowlands for uh, the Giants game – there so i kind of and we had like you know family friendly rivalry kind of deal uh and i ended up hating the giants because of it yep having gone to college in pennsylvania near philly and where all of my friends are basically eagles fans from college man i can't stand them and i remember very so vividly sitting there when vic basically put his whole career hall of fame into one game uh, and sitting there on the couch with my, Redskin, my Jason Campbell jersey on, which uh, was outdated because we had just signed McNabb long-term that same day, uh, and just getting roasted. And so today, you know, I was quiet pretty much most of the time when they were texting, and I just, I just went off when we won. 
because all I heard was like they can't lose to to the football team. I was like, well, you just lost to a team with no mascot, and not only that, you blew a seventeen point lead with a quarterback making one hundred thirty eight million dollars. Um, so look, this team, I think you're spot on about the coaching. The I think I don't know if I don't know if Curl came in and played more of a hybrid. I mean, I, I talked about Hudson playing kind of that hybrid role, which by the way, he's going to block a punt. He was close twice, uh, uh, but you know he blew up a screenplay. Curl did, and all of a sudden he just kind of started showing up. And I think the best part about him is being a seventh round guy. You you don't want to hear his name if he's on the field. Just like don't screw up, and he started popping. Um, and I think the whole defense kind of did too. I, I need to get used to Landon Collins being number 26. That was confusing. It was a little hard to kind of parse through. Like I kept seeing 23 and I'm like, that's D'Angelo Hall. And I'm like, no, that's not D'Angelo Hall. You know? Was yeah. Boy, I was, was, I was the Darby, numbers, so. the numbers were, I was confused yeah. by the numbers. Um, but I'm looking at this and I know you want to do kind of a three of three down type deal, um, which I do in the Nats podcast. I was going to say homage to your uh, uh, Nats podcast for anyone who's yeah. not listening, make sure you listen to it. Um, and I'm going to follow your lead here with based on who you put up. Cause I generally completely agree. Yeah. It's, um, it's, I would be surprised if there was anybody else, maybe perhaps uh, on the upside, but on the downside, actually. So I, I kind of using that as your segue, um, I grouped it together. I wanted to switch one of the obvious ones to a later conversational point being the quarterback, but I think my, if we go third star, second star, first star hockey style, um, I guess the third place, the, the bronze trophy, if you will, um, the running backs and, a few people are giving me shit about this. Um, look, I'm, I'm Peyton Barber. I'm sorry. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I uh, He still only ran for like 1.7 yards. Per I game. know everyone was still, <laughs> a couple of my friends are still joking. They're like, well, he, in your defense, he did get you two yards, which is, you said that's his MO, but like Gibson and Barber, you know, they're not Adrian Peterson and somebody else in their prime, right? Like, like they're not, but they ran with zip. And more importantly, they fit the context of the offense if I'm like really being nitpicky, I thought there were opportunities for them to run the football a little more today. And I think we might've gone away from them a bit too often, but putting all of that aside, they ran, they provided explosion. They provided guts. They provided the slash, just the take like there and move. And you know, I really liked what Gibson brought to the table. Today. Yeah. Like him a lot. And um, I think both of them were just nice pieces. And I've said this in so many different ways that, Look, it's it's wonderful. It was like today, this morning, like you know, Dalvin Cook got paid, and Alvin Kamara got paid, and um, there's somebody else who got an extension. I'm missing off the top of my head, but all of that put aside, right? Like in the NFL, Cup. the running back is a commoditized position. Like it's just to the point where you can almost throw dudes at it, and you're fine. And if you don't like the most easiest t- piece to replace in the NFL right now, might be your second and third running back. Like it, it just, they're a dime a dozen, which is why I was screaming so much about uh, signing a bunch of running backs until the Darius guy situation kind of played out in Adrian Peterson's situation. Did, right. Um, so we have a couple of pieces there. They're inexpensive from the perspective of a third round pick and Peyton, whatever we're paying Peyton Barber, but they still provided value. The ROI, if you will, tremendous. And I love what they brought to the table. It just could be the euphoria of the win, but I think they were, the role that they played on this offense, they did very well. Yeah, I think you have him right as the third star of the, of the game. I, I mean, I just alluded to this while you were talking, but I really like Gibson. <laughs> I know he had so much hype coming into this game, um, it, but and I, I expect his role to increase a little, but like kind of, I think he kind of that was that's going to be his role. He touched the ball probably 10, 11 times total. 
I think that's kind of where he's going to be. He's also huge. He, I didn't realize how like strong, and how big he is. He's yeah. he's almost the same size as freaking Derrick Henry, um, which is mind boggling to me. Uh, I'm not wild about McKissick. I wanted to be, but like I just, eh. I'm excited think, for Bryce Love to catch up. I don't think McKissick hit today. Like I don't think anything that was like designed for him worked, and I think yeah. that just didn't um, that didn't materialize. So like it didn't yeah. shine well for him. Yeah, and I think Barber. Uh, look, you said he he was just a guy, uh, and he would average two yards a carry. Well, he averaged one point seven yards per carry on seventeen carries. So you were kind of spot on. But two touchdowns. Uh, he got the fourth and two on a little extra effort. I think it was Barber who got it. That's the thing. Um, and like I said this, I said this on our on our previous podcast in the season preview. Look, everyone wanted Adrian Peterson to be in that that guy i would much rather i mean i would much rather have adrian peterson touching the ball 17 times and Peyton barber but based on how our offense is going to fluctuate i don't expect barber to touch the ball 17 times a game we just happen to be luckily in a lot of positions where um we were third and short fourth and short goal line and then we just ran out the clock which he he got like six carries in the last three minutes of the game uh my point is is like it, it kind of the perfect role. And to your point, we're not paying him freaking anything, basically. I mean, a couple million probably as a running back. Um, but the opening snap, I mean, we went three and out on our opening drive, I think. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But the opening, the opening play, McKissick was in the, in the uh, backfield with Haskins and he put Gibson in motion. And all of a sudden they're on the field together at the same time. I was pumped. Like, I'm so I was so used to just coming out of the gates. To your point about Gruden and like feeling yourself a little too early, Gruden is of the McVeigh, like Shanahan. They script plays so well, and the difference between someone like Shanahan and, and Gruden, in my opinion, is Shanahan can continue to coach in the middle of the game, where Gruden just went blank. That's a great point. Gruden, you yeah. you could see if like if the first fifteen plays were scripted, you could very clearly cut off where did fifteen end and where did sixteen yeah. seven and and like this is oh this is sixteen and 17, we just 18. went <laughs> yep you could very uh, clearly see that's a great point yeah and I, I mean I got away from the running backs but uh, they did they did their job uh, I'm very excited by all the movement which brings you to your second star. Which it I'll does. Let's put star. a bow. Let's put a bow on Peyton Barber. And I think you, one thing you've also called out in your season preview podcast, the difference between whatever we're paying Peterson and let's just say it's roughly comparable to what we're paying Barber. Barber plays teams, right? Barber was on special teams today. If Barber has five games, really gets, it, yeah, that's right. And it, that would uh, help pin them back even after yeah. that, like that Tressway punt that didn't end up like on the six yard line or whatever it was. Right. Um, Barber is not going to complain if he has four games where he only has six carries. Peterson will yeah. become an issue, right? If that is yeah. the case, and so all of that is spot on. Barber, Barber's a is—he's not a gunner, but I mean, would you rather pay someone this like to be in the field that much more? I mean, he just offers so much. I mean, all Rivera's talked about is versatility. Yes, and the reason he's a good coach is apparently he doesn't just talk the talk, but he walks the walk. And going to the back, coordinators. And I was going to say, going back to the point about the coaching, um, 
it's funny because I was watching, I think it was flipping around the Redskins, excuse me, the Washington football team's Instagram account today, um, like or scrolling on my feed as usual. And um, I saw the clip of Rivera's game balls after the game. And the second one um, went to uh, the coordinators. You gave it both to Scott Turner and Jack Del Rio. And that kind of inspired me to put them as my second star of the game, the collective duo of Turner and Jack Del Rio. And the reason why, as much as the fact that, you know, we won today and so forth and so on, right? It was nice to see competence, or I would put it past, it was nice to see intellectual, intellect used in the game plans. It was one, nice to see intellect used in the game plans and precision and methodology used in the game plan as opposed to let's just throw shit against the wall and see how it works. And more importantly, and this just blew my mind entirely, adjustments, in-game adjustments. Oh, you're doing this? Maybe I should counter with this as opposed to brainlessly jamming a square peg down a round hole as every fucking coordinator in this city has done for God knows how many years. Headlined by Greg Minuski and Joe Barry, right? I mean, we saw more creativeness and, and effectiveness from Del Rio in one game, in one game than we saw in five years of Barry and Minuski. I saw, you alluded to with the Boston point, there was countless plays where like, that took intellectual, like that, that took thought. That took creativity. That took some modicum of outside the box thinking as opposed to like playing in your sandbox all week and hoping that that's going to work, i.e. the defensive schemes of Joe Barry and Greg Minuski, right? Those guys were fucking incompetent. And it was so great to see, one, a coach who motivated the defense, but two, actually did something, did something original. And going back to this, somebody – Credit to somebody on Twitter. I can't remember who it was. I think it was one of the pro football focus guys. But if it isn't, I apologize. So he was saying Ertz and Goddard were killing us in the first half of whatever. And somebody mentioned that the Redskins started putting more safeties on the field. Like, all right, Apke, we'll get to him. And Landon Collins were there. But, like, they started using sort of, like, the linebackers because Bostick was getting killed. Uh, Pierre Lewis was getting killed. Like, they started, I think, putting Cam Curl on one of the safeties. And that actually started to clamp them down. Like that was like a yeah. They, had, move. they started. They basically count. They countered that move by throwing the ball deep, which just left Wentz in the pocket for so long that see you later. And even then, once exactly so right. So the, they char- they changed from going intermediate. So they started to kind of keep the creep the defense up a little bit, knowing that stuff is going like getting feel that stuff is going to be underneath. And then they started going bombs over. Like there was the one. I mean, if we're going to talk about Troy Apke in a second, like they almost beat Troy Apke on the uh, with the, the second pass to Jalen Rager. They hit the first pass over Ronald Darby to Jalen Rager. Right. Like they started taking shot plays. I think there was one to Jackson that they one shot play that they tried, but they started going over the top. But eventually, the defensive line and the just whatever they did there um i.e attacking the hobos that they had just signed off the street like that started to collapse onto Wentz and eventually he just had no time in the pocket as you just said right um you said it like you know I made a note of this specific play like the the blitz on fourth and four by Bostic right after the uh the backup another backup came into the game I can't remember I think it was a Driscoll guy just somebody else he just left the game some other dude came in it was within one or two plays they were down four linemen yeah and, and literally, it's well, within two or three plays, and that wasn't even three, I don't think. And Boston came and just shot that gap and just blew the hell up on Weds, and it was magnificent, right? And yeah, I mean, it was just great. And it, it was wonderful to, I mean, we'll, we'll get there in a second about the defensive line, but it was just wonderful to see the way they ate and the way they were like, there were stunts and there was just shit that they were doing that actually worked, and it was great. And then going over to Scott Turner, Scott Turner, I thought, did a great job. 
the game plan. And I, it was from two perspectives. One, the movement. We'll get there in a second, or like the creative plays themselves. But it was very clear that if you paid close attention, he built a game plan to get Dwayne Haskins comfortable. And once Haskins was comfortable, which he never really was, we'll also talk about that. But once Haskins was comfortable, then to take more of the shot plays, then to take more of the, you know, the attack plays. But there were a lot of plays that were kind of sprinkled in. We're like, all right, if he gets off rhythm, let's do this. There was like a, was a few screens to like Sims and there was a few other like, you know, um, swing, so fast. swing plays out there where like you could just tell that this is one of those plays that was deliberately put in. We're like, all right, let's get Haskins feet back underneath him or it was called to say all right Haskins is getting a little out of rhythm let's kind of put this back in so we can start building the rhythm building his rhythm back or rebuilding it so that we can start operating the offense and opening it up a even more than it currently was and then the movement like you talked about with having McKissick and um and um not Barber but Gibson in the backfield Gibson, and, like, yeah. and having those guys and then like w w I think maybe my favorite play of the game from a schematic viewpoint was the first touchdown pass to Logan Thomas where like dude just dude, wide open like a wide open wide open like in the Eagles players were all kind of like running around pointing at each other like who's got this dude and you could see those very obvious confusion meanwhile like Logan just you know just basically ran to the W of the Washington football team in the end zone and it was just wide open like you know Haskins could have probably completed that with his eyes closed and I think there was a lot of deliberately thoughtful and meticulous game planning done by Turner which is just again such a you know it's not as you said it's 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 past Gruden and just doing the first 15 plays and then let's just see how it goes after that like th there was very um it was just well thought out and I loved watching all of that yeah, I was actually pleasantly surprised by Logan Thomas. Um, I'm not wild about him. There's probably 30 other starting tight ends that are better than he is. But I'm not anointing him Tony Gonzalez just yet. I mean, let's yeah, just be but I mean, he had a, he. I mean, I guess anyone could have caught that touchdown because he was so open. But he he flashed a few times. He was a willing blocker. Uh, he's better than Sprinkle, right? Oh, and that just goes to show how bad we were last year. And something I think that people need to understand when assessing Dwayne is what he actually was playing with last year. Um, but to your Turner's point, I mentioned the first play of the game when he motioned Gibson in, in motion or put Gibson in motion, and all of a sudden McKissick and uh, Gibson were together in the backfield. I was like, oh, this could be kind of cool. And, you know, you saw a couple options. You saw you saw tight ends moving freaking everywhere. Um, my favorite play of the game from just a pure offensive play was uh, it was a quick fake toss to a screen to Sims. Yeah. Uh, that he busted he busted for probably 20 yards that dude's quick yes um and it's little things like that like we don't have i talked about this a little bit earlier we don't have other than mclaurin none of our receivers can really get or create separation we're kind of really handicapped and throwing the ball down the field um but you do have guys like sims who you get him in space and get the ball he can move um so I was pumped to see that. And to your point, you mentioned Haskins, like the, the design of the offense was to try to get him into some sort of rhythm. Well, his rhythm <laughs> was bad for a little while. Yeah. I was, I jokingly sent a text uh, to my buddy, uh, Joe, who just like is, he's not in on Haskins. He thinks he's terrible. I, I jokingly sent him a text said, Hey, get, get the Trevor Lawrence uh, scouting report on, uh, on my desk by end of day. Um, but Grant Paulson tweet, uh, tweeted out something that I uh, – I'm not a huge Grant fan, but I thought this was a great tweet. Uh, um, Haskins started three for 12, like bad. Uh, he finished 14 of his final 19. Uh, didn't turn the ball over, had, you know, had a touchdown, made timely plays. He needed to learn how to slide. Um, although I'm 
still not sure how there was a penalty thrown late in the game and he slid, got popped. And on the shoulder. There was no flag. I thought the same thing. Yeah. I was like, he gave himself up, but neither here nor there. Um, but I liked, I liked the offense. I think, uh, you know, we're going to struggle at times to my point. I just don't like, don't like Inman's not, doesn't inspire confidence. Gandy Golden, I don't even think was on the field. I'm not even sure if he was active. Um, he was active, but he, he wasn't, he was, yeah, I mean, I didn't hear anything or even see him. Didn't hear anything. Um, and then I'm going to use Del Rio to transition to the stars <clears throat> because we have five first round picks on that defensive line. And if we're going to be good, they have to ball out. You know, Del Rio said it as soon as he was hired. He's like, yeah, you can have all the talent in the world, but it doesn't matter unless you don't show up. And we have had players that have talent for years that don't show up. Uh, one fun fact about Del Rio. Uh, he definitely changed the way he used uh, Collins because Collins played back in the first few series. And all of a sudden he was like a fourth linebacker and they couldn't run the ball. And it was awesome. Anyway, uh, you have five, First rounders, you have Ionitis, who might as well be a first round talent because he's so good. Dude, just a, I mean, good God, love him. Uh, and you had a offensive line that was, I mean, I don't think that line they had had taken one snap together in the preseason. There's just no way. So if we're gonna win, we had to win that way. And the one of the reasons I love like the Boston sack and the semi exotic blitzes that Del Rio kept bringing is it forced the, the line to figure out, okay, well, where am I going to, you know, react? Who am I going to pick up? And that allows one-on-one matchups. Kerrigan came – Kerrigan's first sack, he, he basically came untouched. The second one, he just blew up about four different dudes. Uh, but it also left Chase Young one-on-one with Peters. He dominated that matchup. Uh, Allen, you know, we had one cover sack where – which was probably the – in my opinion, now I'm thinking about it, it might be the low-key – play the game where Allen sacked Wentz and basically took them out of field goal range because yep. uh, what's-his-name missed the field goal. Like, that defensive line was nuts. Eight sacks. We forced two fumbles. Both picks probably because of them because Wentz knows he has to get rid of the ball. And to your point about bringing, um, you know, Curl in for three safeties or whatever they did to try to slow down Ertz and uh, Goddard because they were just torching us, is the counter I mentioned. So the counter was – I don't know if it's just because I haven't watched a lot of football because there was no preseason, you know, yada, yada, yada. But I felt like their game plan just was like, let's just chuck the ball downfield. Uh, they went to Deshaun a few times. They went to Rieger a bunch. I was a little surprised, actually. I was like, you guys going to, like, try to throw, like, an out route or something here? Uh, and what happened is that defensive line was given two, three, four seconds sometimes to get to Wentz. And I, I don't know the stats off the top of my head. I bet you Wentz was hit at least 15 times today. Um, I mean, he got pounded today. He got pounded. Uh, and to Eagles fans who, like, are bitching and moaning, like, dude, Tom Brady would have lost that game. Drew Brees would have lost that game. You can't – I'm just – the defensive line was – if we're going to win, they have to be awesome, and they were awesome. It They're is the top star. human nature for Wentz to have had happy feet in that game or to be a tick early on his throws in, ter- in terms of, like, when the timing should have been because he was under duress the whole game. Even in the first quarter when the Eagles were doing whatever they wanted to, he was still getting hit and a lot, and he was taking it. And those hits, as every anybody who's watched football ever knows, that, like, he – one of the one of the big like uh, fundamental uh, you know corollaries of a, of an odd defensive line will be look hit the quarterback let him know you're there breathe on him let him know you're there that's going to stay in the back of their mind they're humans if you got, 
you're not trying to avoid pain. It's just that's how they, that's you, how you are, especially if you're a quarterback. And if you, he knows you got constantly somebody down breathing down your neck, and then after that they're pounding you, they're sacking you, they're doing all of these things. You're going to speed up. And yeah, exactly. Like the pick to Moreau followed by the exact same throw, basically, and the one that Moreland picked off. Like that's not coincidental. People's right? corner. People's corner. Love Moreland. Um, the defensive line just kind of putting uh, finishing that point off. They were everywhere. It, it, it's I think the best they, part of all of this was like it's not so just good. that Kerrigan I think finished with three sacks, broke Dexter Manley's record, all time franchise leader in sacks, number one game ball of the game, also forth and so on. Props to Kerrigan looked as well as good as he did in any point last year, if not you know in subsequent years prior. Um, it's that every time he was there, somebody was there with him. Every time Chase Young was there, got a hand on him, somebody was there with him. Montez Sweat was all, all – he didn't finish, but Montez Sweat was there a lot. Deron Payne didn't finish. Deron Payne was in on a lot of plays today. Allen was probably – ironically, out of everybody, Allen was probably the least, and I'm not saying that as a detraction. It's just of the spectrum of all of those guys, he you know kind of finished towards the end of it. But Chase Young, he was everywhere. He's so He's close. So He's so, so, so close. That's like – it's just one more year of polish and like one more year of a real training camp and stuff like that. And heaven help all of you. Cause that dude is a monster, right? First game with no real training camp and no real preseason. He's already this close. And granted, I know again, they're playing dudes off the, you know, I, I play, who are Peters, the- Peters is old, but he, I mean, he's a vet. He's, I think he's been an all pro once or twice. It's not like he was going up against, you know, John Christian. Peters was, we'll get to John Christian. Um, P, uh, Peters, Chase Young, he was so much fun to watch. And again, Sweat played really well. Ionitis had a couple of vicious hits. Like, he, that dude's just a monster. So, so, so good. Uh, defensive line, just incredible. It was so much fun to watch. This was what we waited for for this many years, and it finally came to fruition, and it was just fantastic. All right, you ready for this? So, we had eight sacks today, right? Uh huh. Bostic had one, seven sacks from that line themselves. So, you had Matt Inez had one and a half sacks. <laughs> Chase Young had one and a half sacks plus two strips. Uh, at, they gave Jonathan Allen a half sack. Kerrigan had two. Sweat had one. And Payne had half a sack. That's just the line. Right. Um, and I just like – it's amazing. And it's one of the reasons why I love the blitzes because, like, you have to pick and choose your battles at that point, which gives you one-on-one matchups with these guys, and they're all so good. Like – more often than not, we're going to win that battle. And that's the only – if you don't get home, then our secondary is not good enough to, to cover people long enough. So, like, those blitz get that ball out and give people like Moreland a chance to jump. Um, they were – if you go back and listen to um, – or if you've seen any of the quotes from the players, uh, Moreau said – I mean, I actually kind of like Moreau. He's got like four picks in his last five games or something ridiculous. Um, he should definitely start over Darby when Fuller's back. Um, but the they were talking. They asked him about his pick, and and he was like, "Well, the Eagles had ran the same play, so I knew it was coming." Um, one, I also think that's coaching. That's also probably good on him for probably watching some film and and keeping track of what's going on during the game. But with our defensive line, you have to get that ball out, and that ball floated on Wentz a little and allowed Moreau to make a break on it. And next thing you know, instead of being down. 20, 24, nothing at halftime. That pick sets us up. We go in 17, seven. And I credit like entirely the, the defensive line on it. Uh, yeah. Credit to Moreau for making the play, but like those plays happen because Wentz has to get rid of the ball. Yep. It's awesome. 
going from the good side to the bad side, we'll talk about the three down. We don't want to talk to him, but spend too much time being Debbie Downers on this. Um, you already spent a lot of time talking about it, so I don't really want to go further on it, but, um, and we'll delve a little more when we talk about Haskins momentarily, but there's just nobody else on the offense. And I think one of the reasons the pass catchers, I, I call them the pass catchers, the collective group around Terry McLaurin um, and maybe Logan Thomas, if you want to put him on the good side, like there's just nobody there. Like Inman made a couple of nice plays towards the end of the game. Sims made a couple of nice plays in spots, but like there's no, if you want to use the superhero metaphor, like there's no Robin to the Batman or there's no Batman to the Superman. Like there's nobody there who was the second outlet where like, if you take away McLaurin and you said it like Slay was covering McLaurin. And I think Johnston said, Moose said it during the game, like they were shading safety help over the top to McLaurin in case Slay did get beat because Slay can get beat. Um, So like, it was basically, they're like beat us with somebody else besides McLaurin and we couldn't. And, it wasn't an issue today because the defense did such a great job of setting up so much for the offense, but it will be an issue with the rest of the course of the season. And somebody needs to step up and be the second alpha male on this offense. And it can't just be Logan Thomas, right? Like it can't be Logan Terry or Logan Thomas or, uh Oh, right. It just can't. Um, I know as we talked about Turner's trying to, you know, uh, draw up opportunities to get other guys open, but at some point it's just got to be mano a mano. I'm better than you. And we don't have that guy yet. We talked about it in the preseason and uh, the preseason preview podcast, and it's coming to fruition right now. Like, there's just not that dude, and it, it is a thing. And I'm, you know, just not to be the harbinger of bad news, but it is. It makes me miss Harmon. I don't know if Harmon would have been like the dude, but he's better than him. Um, he's also a willing blocker. Yeah, the the pass catchers are just the receivers in general are just not very good. I mean, I think we talked about it three of the five are undrafted and McLaurin while a stud still a third round pick. And yep. then you have Ganny Golan, who I think is a fifth round pick or a fourth round pick. Four, if I'm not um, mistaken, but still like we, 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 we touched on in the previous pod, which everyone who's missed should listen to, you know, level of competition, overcoming COVID in the off season, like all of these things, like, like that's a steep learning right. curve. So um, the bigger, more glaring, ugly today, especially in the first half of the game, wasn't much better in the second half, but the first half, the left, I mean, you, you touched, you mentioned the offensive line, but I'm going to hyper-focus on the left side of the offensive line. Um, Jaron Christian and Wes Martin, uh, to quote the great Steve Spurrier, not very good or not too good. Um, Jaron Christian, not too good. Um, he got beat really badly on, I think it was by Brandon Graham, I want to say, or Josh Sweat, one of those two guys. Uh, it, it was a pretty bad miss. Wes Martin was getting his ass kicked by Malik Jackson the early in the game. First or second play of the game, he got – I think you actually texted me. Yeah. Uh, a, I think it was the first. He, if it was not the first, it was got, the second, like you said. I mean, he got just tossed. Terrible. And there were a couple of moments where it looked like, did you ever play offensive line before? And – I was quietly, when I was talking about Kyle Smith, like I was quietly very, very optimistic about Wes, Wes Martin. I felt like he was one of those dudes where like diamond in the rough type of acquisition. And uh, yeah, not that, that did, that did not show today. Um, he, he was bad. He wasn't, there was no point of the game where I was like, Oh, Wes Martin's doing a nice job. And there were points like Sheriff got pushed around a little bit different moments. I think Moses and Rulier, ironically were probably the two better offensive linemen, which, you know, I thought, I thought Moses played, well, and yeah. the fact that we never heard Ruye's name is a good thing, in my opinion. Exactly. Um, there was not a ton of pressure, like, screaming up the gut where you're like, okay, like, the pocket folded or collapsed on itself or folded onto itself on Haskins, which, again, to your point, like, that's a Ruye thing, among others. Um, 
I think I only made share, only saw Sheriff make like one boo boo during the game, which is fine. Like it, it is what it is. Like that's just normal. But yeah, I think Moses had a really good game. But that's basically like we said, the center onward to the right side. Not the best day for Jaron Christian and Wes Martin. Um, you know, the Eagles have a pretty potent defensive line, so you can say like it's going to get better in subsequent weeks. But you just hope that it's also going to get better because those guys get their shit together and you know get coached up by whoever the current offensive line coach is. And I'm sad to say it's escaping me right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't know his name either. Uh, I I mean, I don't think Christian's going to be there very long. Now that Sadiq Charles is practicing fully, I like kind of fully expect him to take that spot pretty soon. Um, I have fairly high hopes for Charles. You know, everyone said he could have been a first-round pick if he stayed for another year. Um, so I think talent alone will get him on the field, uh, most because, A, it's well-known variable play rookies. We have rookies all over the field. Uh, and B, Christian, I mean, that sack that I think you're right, it was Graham. He just went right around him, strip sack. The only good part about the play, and it's not good play, but the deeming part of the play is, is that he recovered, recovered the fumble. Yeah. Almost. Um, I and mean, he almost didn't, but, but he did. But that was an important aspect in a game because that was our first drive, I think, of the second half, and it was third down. And we had just forced a three and out after scoring a touchdown in the half. That was a chance for us to like really capture momentum. Now, granted, it was a critical did. play. It, we, we eventually did, but like we punt that back. And because of that sack, all of a sudden, trust, thank God we trust by the MVP. God, Trustway's uh, a punting machine. He's so good. Uh, it's sad that we know so much about our punter, but that's a big three. Um, but like that fumble was recovered, I think, on the eight yard line. So we went from potentially getting back into the game to all of a sudden giving the Eagles really good field position or position. And luckily our defense like stood on his head, but not good. And then Martin, I saw Martin being pushed back more like noticeably than anyone watching football for fun as a casual fan should, should see. Right. If you see, if you're watching the game, you're concentrating probably more on what the quarterback's doing or where the running backs are lined up. And then all of a sudden, Wes Martin would just be there with them because he was getting pushed around so much. I was like, yeah. dude, get, get off the field. <laughs> um, it, it Sheriff did give up. No, Sheriff did give up that sack. And I actually texted my friends that he needs to be perfect. Um, but you're right. The, the left side of the line sucks. And, you know, I think that's, it's, it's going to hinder what we can do with Haskins until we fix it. It's a little bit of a help me Jesus, help me Tom Cruise situation right now with the left side of the line. Cause it's like, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, yeah, they're not very. Um, but the real uh, goats, and I'm not talking acronym goat. I'm talking about like the farm animal goat of this game. Um, I think while you could lump in a, a good portion of the secondary, I think our safeties in particular. Um, your boy Troy Apke, as you alluded to at the beginning of the God, podcast, good fucking lord. Um, if, if we're playing, as we said, if we're playing Survivor on the 53 man squad, he's got to be the first one to go. He's just got to be. How bad does that mean Davis was? Like, how do you not make a team over Apke? Seriously. Like, this guy, ugh. Um, I think Sean Davis was all athlete and no, like, he couldn't put it together on the field. And I don't know really much past that. But, like, um, Apke is just, like, fast read Dowdy, as we've said a thousand times, man. Like, there's just nothing. I think Dowdy was smart. At least Dowdy was contributing on teams, right? Like, Apke is terrible. Um. I think he was the one who got beat on the um, on the Goddard touchdown. I think that oh, was I the have, case. It um, was. I had I have like five examples. Okay. 
Um, and then I mentioned like, so there was the, there was the second uh, deep shot to uh, Rager where he was running on Darby. Darby passed him off in a cover two situation and Apke is supposed to be fast. Now I acknowledge Rager is really, really, really fast. He is really fast, but like he smoked Apke, like just smoked him, right? Like it was pathetic to watch. And it was just, if it wasn't for a bad pass, like that was another touchdown, like, you know, a typical Eagles quarterback bombing it over the back of our secondary, watching our safety huff and puff behind the fast receiver. Like it was just another version of that, except, you know, Wentz didn't hit the pass to, to, uh, to Rieger. But um, yeah, that goes fucking terrible. And Landon Collins was ugly in the first quarter. I think, I think exactly what you said, like eventually we got him away from doing things deeper in the line of scrimmage, but like he had that personal foul. I think it was a screen pass to Clement or something like that. Like that was dumb. Yeah, that was dumb. Um, he had a false start or something. He had another penalty early in the game. He had missed some tackles. He did blow some stuff up later in the second half to what you were saying earlier, but like he, not a good start for him. And I mean, you shouldn't necessarily take a, sal- a player's salary into account when you're judging him, but for someone who's supposed to be a former all pro safety, who was he's signed to some $85 million contract, like bro, there's no ROI there. Like there's just not, um, you know, once again, our safeties are for the umpteenth year in a row, tire fire, and uh, and yeah, and, and nothing has changed. Yeah, I'm not going to talk much here because for the four of you that listen to this podcast, you all know I hate Abby. Um I hated him the day we drafted him. I was like, why are, that draft? A, why are we drafting a terrible safety from Penn State in the fourth round? That guy would have been there in the um, seventh, if not the UDFA. He, he, yeah, he would have been undrafted. Um, oh fuck! Cowboys just picked off Goff. Um, uh, but okay. So I don't think Collins played as poorly as you think he did. Um, I do think the personal foul was terrible. That was just a dumb play. That was like a D'Angelo Hall ask bonehead play. Leron Landry, um, I'm up on. I'm doing some yeah, like, performance enhancing like, shit, and I'm showing you that. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? Um, but I actually think he played okay. Now, granted. To your point, if he's making $85 million, I don't want to say I think he played okay. Like, you're the highest paid safety in the league. Is he still the highest paid safety in the league? Regardless, one of the top five paid safeties in the league. And in a team that desperately needs talent in the back end, like, he has to play better. But I don't think he played poorly. Uh, I think one of the big reasons we were able to get after Wentz was because they just couldn't run the football. And that starts with our line, which freed up Collins, and he made a couple plays in the back backfield. And then Curl also made a couple plays in the backfield. Um, but, look, I told you I was going to harp on this, and here I am because I think Apke is just so bad. It boils my blood. Uh, the Goddard touchdown, granted, kind of a hell of a catch from Goddard because he turned his whole body around. Uh, Apke's fault. The Darby play where he gave up the long, uh, the like 55-yard uh, completion to Rieger. Yes, he was on Darby, but no cornerback's going to be able to stay with him one-on-one. Appy wasn't even in the picture. Um, the pass that went to Mr. Rieger, to your point, I mean, Apke looked like I was trying to cover Rieger. Um, and that's an interesting part of the game, too, because uh, Moreau had just dropped the uh, pick, and the next play, they almost hit a big uh, big touchdown. Uh, you had the personal foul helmet to helmet. From, yeah, from that was the one I, was, I couldn't remember. Yes. Um, I remember this one was a, dumb. I'm not 100% sure he could have done anything else there because the player was going down. It was kind of bang, bang. I don't care. I, I said before, if he does, if he messes up, I'm going to harp on it. Terrible. Yeah. Um, and then there's one or 
I said I had five. I'll, I'll leave you with four. We can move on. But he legitimately cannot be on our team next week. <laughs> I don't know how to call Riverboat Ron, but get him on the phone. Listen to our podcast, Rivera. Cut him. Cut that guy. I, 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 he's like Bakari Rainbow bad. Like, he's bad. I really like um, Bakari Rainbow. Yeah, we all, we all did. <laughs> but he was terrible, too. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, just thank God that our defensive line was able to kind of stop some of that bleeding. But Appy's got to go, and he's terrible. And, and, you know, I think moving forward, hopefully he doesn't show up on game tape. And hopefully Dwayne Haskins just balls out from here on out. Do you remember that 2013 draft that yielded David Amerson, Philip Thomas from Fresno State, and Bakari Rambo? And we got so excited that that was our secondary. Sweet mother yeah. of Jesus. I don't think um, the, uh, the Tom, who's, Thomas was the other guy, right? Yeah, Philip, Philip Thomas of Fresno State. Name? Yep. Did he ever actually end up playing, or was his foot just cashed the whole time? I forget. <sighs> I think he played, but nothing that you wanted to remember. Man, disaster. What an awful, awful draft. I think the best draft that the best pull out of that draft, if I'm not mistaken, was Niles Paul. Oh, I love Niles. Yeah. I'll never um, forget where he shifted his face mask so he could blow somebody up. That was the coolest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Let's talk about Haskins. Because, My boy. Um, obviously, in this win, Haskins is a central character for obvious reasons, i.e. he's the quarterback of the team. It's interesting because, I, if I'm being frank, if the if – the, WFT lost this game. I think there would be a lot of commotion among the usual cantankerous DC sports fans and the usual over boisterous Redskins uh, DC sports fans, right? Um, if you want to strictly judge from his on field performance, this was not his best game. Uh, it's the, we'll talk about, I'll, I'll mention the rhythm in a second, but in general, there were more than a few errant passes. And I counted a few just going back through my notes during the game. Um, there's, I think their first legitimate momentum drive that they had, I think it was early in the second quarter, where it wasn't just like three oh, nine, he three nine. You know, One, he missed uh, Logan Thomas. So that was, he had a bad force to Logan Thomas. Um, first pass of the second half, he missed that bootleg pass. Like, again, Scott Turner put him yeah, in position. Okay. It was a nice pass. He missed it. He threw it behind McLaurin. Uh, that caused us to go three and out. There was another drive later on where we were driving, and then he forced that low pass to Logan Thomas on third and three, where, like, that was the one where Johnston was talking about, like, yeah, you know, the MO on, ta- on, on Haskins is a, he throws in tight windows. That was a third and three pass. That was low. It was not the best decision to begin with, and it was not the best pass in general, right? So, in one thing that you could see, like, in the first half when there was just no rhythm, there were almost moments where he just looked like he was just throwing shit just to throw it. Right. He's like, I'm just going to try to force this. And like, that's not how you want to operate. You could see in moments his mechanics were breaking down a little bit. Like he was just kind of winging it in the literal sense of the word. And it was a little frustrating to see, like, if you just took the first and second quarter as a snapshot of the entire afternoon, you're like, oh, geez, this is not good. Now, to caveat it the other way around, there were also definitely flashes even in the first half where like uh, my favorite part of that was probably right after Moreau's pick and they went into the up-tempo two-minute offense and he just started connecting because he was, what was the old saying? Four was, for four and a touchdown on that drive. He was no brain, all cock and balls, right? And he just fucking started playing and drilling and he was just, you know, hitting one after another after another. And like, that's the dude, right? And like, that's what we wanted to see. And I absolutely 100% believe that 
a lot of his struggles were a function of the supporting cast and not having a guy who makes life easier for him. Like, you cannot take that away from, from where he was and how he plays, uh, how he played today rather. But, um, you know, so it's a chicken and egg argument in terms of like, is this a supporting cast or was it Haskins? And like I said, you, you can have debate either side of it. Um, but one, it was the fact that like he, he struggled. And even in the, to your point about the 14 of 19 where he finished, like there were hiccups, but he also hit a lot of smart plays. And then um, I'll stop talking in a second, but there was a bunch of stuff that came out after the game in terms of like what he did on the field. In addition to dapping up his defense, which you talked about, um, like just the way he had his leadership moments, which as we've said before, like one may not have been the case at this. Well, definitely wasn't the case at this point last year, but may not have happened at any point last year. Yeah. I am a pretty staunch defender of Haskins. Um, I think it's, it's so hard to, I think part of the reason why I think he could be so good is, is to your point, like he just doesn't have a lot of weapons. And I think that plays into some of his numbers, but then to your other point, it's like sometimes when he misses, oh boy, does he miss um, he can really airmail the ball. Um, there was a play I, I don't, I couldn't give you the context of the play action. They were trying to get Thomas over the middle, and it was probably a twenty-yard throw, and he just airmailed it. Thank God we were close to the red zone, and he basically threw it out the back of the end zone. Um, if there had been a safety there, he would have thrown it right to the safety because he just overshot Thomas so much. Um, that happens more than it should. Um, for sure. I always think about the against the Lions last year when he had McClure and coming across uh, and he was wide open for a touchdown and he just airmailed it. Like those throws are common for him right now. And that's something that he really needs to clean up. Um, but look, you, you're right. The dapping up of the defense line was awesome. Um, you know, apparently he gave this rousing speech at halftime when yeah. Rivera was getting his IV. Yep. You know, the players seem to like him. And I, I've been thinking about this a lot recently. When we played the Jets last year, and we were getting smoked. I mean, that was probably the worst game of the year. We got blown out by the Jets. The Jets. Like, that's, all you need to, that's all you need to know. But he came over to the offensive line and was like, what do I need to do to help you? You could tell he wanted to win. And, you know, looking back on that, like Bergstrom was on the team, and you can tell he kind of rolls his eyes. But, yep. like, Moses, Moses was like, oh, shit, like maybe this quarterback actually does care. And I think that's kind of built over the last year and a half since Haskins has really taken ownership of this. And I said in the beginning, but it was the most Alex Smith game. I mean, we only saw Alex Smith for what, 11 games. Um, but we were – no, 10 games. We were 6-3 and three in those games, right? Yep. Um, and Here's Alan's favorite 6-3 and three quote. Yes. And what's so amazing to this – I don't know if I'd said this in the beginning of the podcast or if I said this before we started talking – in the last three wins with Alex Smith as quarterback, he threw for 178 yards, a touchdown, and no picks. Dwayne Haskins today, Louis threw for 178 yards, a touchdown, and no picks, right? We won today because Haskins did not turn the ball over. We got it three times, and he made plays when we needed to make plays, right? Um, you know, and I think coaching goes a lot into this. Like the fourth down, I was begging the team to go on fourth down. And fourth if there was one blemish on the day – Ron Rivera punting on fourth and one, and I think field goal on fourth and three. That was my biggest thing. And I'm like, you're supposed to be riverboat Ron, the analytic. And then they went for it on fourth and four, which I thought was even stranger. 
But I was like, you're yeah, Riverport, awesome. Ron. If you have any sense of like analytics, you know that like in any situation, fourth and one, all the numbers overwhelmingly dictate that this is the in the most advantageous situation for you. It's a very, 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 very makeable situation, regardless of the fact that it's fourth down. And that was my one of my if I was going to say my biggest gripe of the day, that was probably my biggest one. But all's well that ends up. But sorry. No, you're good. I, I mean, that fourth and four, I was like, oh my god, going for it. Yes. And then we got it, which was awesome. Um, but. For Haskins, like, I think we've harped on it, still needs more weapons. Uh, that missed McLaurin on the, in the second half when on the boot was bad. Um, so there's things he has to clean up. But this is also a guy that hasn't really gotten to play a ton because of there was no OTAs. I mean, he's just out there throwing balls to freaking, like, Antonio Brown. Um, so I think, I think he'll clean it up a little bit. He'll get better. But if he can manage the game like he did today and not turn it over, I don't really care. Because ultimately, from what I see, the team likes him. And that is probably the most important thing. I think they want to play for him. They want to win. I think Rivera, the best thing Rivera did was not annoy him, the starter, uh, and make him earn it. And not only did he earn it, Rivera came out and said, you know, 10 years ago, I said, let's ride with Cam, and I'm ready to ride with Dwayne. And I think, I just think he oozes confidence now. I think the, the team. The team feeds off it. Um, so hopefully he gets better. He does, I mean, if we want to be good, he's got to be a whole lot better. Uh, but he's had eight starts now, and we're three and five in those starts. One of, more importantly, one to know this year. Um, you know, I, I, I joke that I think he's going to become an all-pro. He probably – he's really far away from becoming an all-pro. But I will take 178 yards, a touchdown, and no picks, and a W 16 times. Actually, let's revise that, 19 times. Uh, on our way to the Super Bowl. Two Wentz picks turned into 14 WFT points today. Totally. Right? And, and the game ended when he fumbled. Yeah. So it is what it is. I mean, you can say 178 yards ain't sexy from the fantasy football perspective, but it is from the WNL perspective. Um, using your one and no as the final segue point to uh, week two. Um, I think I picked I on Thursday when I, I was – kind of looking at the lines. I think San Francisco was a seven point favorite against Arizona. And I am in the camp of Arizona being a frisky sleepery team this year. And I'm not just saying that because I'm the pessimist in general, but like I, I did, I, when I did my uh, ranking of the quarterbacks. I at one point had Kyler Murray ranked really high. And it's, I tried as someone who tries to avoid hype very early on um, point being next week, we, as it's next week, we go to Arizona to play the Arizona Cardinals. Um, Murray is really, really good. He's, and I don't want to say good in the sense, he's just so dynamic. Like he is, not to make the same comparison. He had 91 rushing yards today. Yeah, he's very, very Russell Wilson-y in so many different ways. Like he's obviously not as polished yet as Wilson, but like he's just so goddamn dynamic. And, uh, you know, they got that DeAndre Hopkins guy who had um, 151 yards. So um, it's not like the Texans could have used him on Thursday night or anything like that. 16 targets. 14, often. 14 of Kyler's 26 completions went to D-Hop, all right? Yeah, went to Nuke, all right? So, yeah, they like feeding him the ball, having to help the corner that's got to guard him because I've always joked, like, DeAndre Hopkins is basically Spider-Man that you just throw it anywhere in his direction, he's going to come down with it. Um, I think Cliff Kingsbury is one of those coaches who just doesn't give a fuck, and he's like, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to make you stop me. And if you stop me, great, but otherwise I'm just going to throw it down your throat or throw it all over you and just, you know, make you, like, again, make you stop me. Um, but the opposite end kind of, you know, 
uh, building on this, the Haskins conversation is that that defense can be had. There were a bunch, like I had it up red zone on for throughout the course of the day. Um, there were a bunch of throws that handsome Jimmy missed today that if he made those throws, San Francisco would have won. Right. Um, like it, it, I, I love Garoppolo. Um, I, I don't think he's the guy. I just don't like, I, I, I think where he's, so far along in his career that you have to stop waiting for him to be like, well, when he develops, when he develops, like, like the dude is what he is at this point. And I think he's kind of just good enough to be like, look good in good situations and bad enough to be really bad. He's in Kirk bad Cousins. I don't even know if he's Cousins. Cousins has played better. The Cousins had a stink bomb today. Um, although I think the, Aaron Rodgers just went ham on the, on the Vikings today. Um, yeah, fancy quarterback. yeah he, went, about it. he went ape shit on them. He went like, oh, you're going to draft a quarterback? Let me show you something on them today. Um, but going back to the defense, like I was, um, I, was, I was watching bits and pieces of it. And like Vance Joseph, the, he was like a DP's coach in Miami. Then got, uh, hot, then got pushed all the way up to head coach in Denver. He was so in over his head with that job. And like, I always joke like Vance Joseph, every time you see him on the sideline, he looks like that guy who has put his, his entire retirement fund is a hundred dollars worth of lottery tickets. And then he scratched them on to realize he didn't win. And he just has this exasperated look on his face. Like, oh, shit, man. like that's, that's all the time you see him or like, you know, that's, that's just him. And point being like going back to Haskins, like it's not just going to be the defensive line. That's going to help save the day against Arizona. If we're to pick up another W against them, like the offense has got to do their part because again, it's there for the taking like Arizona got beat on a bunch of big plays today and San Francisco's offense, a has more talent and B is more dynamic than ours is in its present iteration. Yeah, we, we actually, I'm going to bet on this game. I can already tell you that because oh, uh, we are opening up as seven point dogs on the oh, road. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yes. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going all in on the cards right now. Uh, seven point dogs on the road. I do agree with you. Murray is like pretty damn good. Um, I think he had 91 yards. 91, or I don't think I'm looking at the stats. He had 91 rushing yards. Now, he did have a pick, but the pick, I also watched the pick. It wasn't his fault. It got bad in the air. But here's the deal. I'm trying not to. I'm trying to keep my burgundy shades off, but it's tough right now because I'm so excited. That we well, just, especially considering what we did today on the defensive standpoint. Yeah, I know. The Cardinals' offensive line is not good. It's not good. It's It's been and, a problem for years. I don't think they've ever had a good uh, offensive line. And that's a problem for when you play the Washington football team, a.k.a. the Redskins. Um, the only difference that I see between the Eagles' offense and and this is a major difference, I'm not trying to underplay it. But the, okay, the biggest difference, that's a better way to put it, is Wentz is virtually a statue. He's a little, he's a little Roethlisberger-esque. He's a big dude, hard to bring down, can make plays. But like, if you, you can get a hand on him, let's put it that way. Murray is a whole different ballgame. He's slippery. He's got that Russell Wilson vibe to your, to your point. Like there's a couple sacks today where we were able to get a hand on Wentz and then he just kind of like bounced around into somebody else's arms. Murray's getting out of that. So it's going to be like imperative that we tackle like very sure tackling next week, because I think we're going to be able to get to him similar to the way we were today, but he's just a lot more slippery. So we have to get home. Right. Uh, because if he does get the ball in the air, your boy D hop is probably going one-on-one versus I'm guessing Moreau or Darby. I, I don't know what Fuller's deal. The fact that he has barely practiced and didn't dress today is not good. Not good. Um, so it's probably those two again. And like Hopkins is one of the best receivers in the NFL 
regardless if he's guarding him. And then you take mediocre corners, and he's going to be he's going to have another 14 catch, 150 yard day. So we have to get home. Uh, I didn't watch. I mean, I had them on red zone, so we probably saw the same plays. Uh, what's that dude's name from San Francisco? Mozart. What's his name? Oh, right, Ryan Mustard. Yeah, dude, he absolutely cooked Isaiah Simmons. I saw that. And this is all the arrow rounds. Yeah, this is kind of why I'm semi excited about this game. There was a big contingent of Redskins fans, and I even said if we're going to trade back for anyone, trade back for Isaiah Simmons. Oh, absolutely. Now, now, granted, you don't trade back when you have a blue chip talent like Chase Young. But if they were just because they're going in a rebuild, a lot of people wanted Isaiah Simmons. Some people were like adamant about it. Um, so it's exciting to see basically how our fan base is going to react to Young versus Simmons because you know it's going to be a Twitter feud. People, and there's going to be a lot of screenshots of people being like, uh, you know, I told you so. There's going to be screenshots that said, I can't believe you thought this. They're already happening today. Um, so I'm excited for it. I do think – Skins might win again. Uh, but that's my thought of the game. I think we're going to get home, and I think I'm excited to see Skins fans lose their mind over Chase Young versus Isaiah. If anyone, especially after today's outcome, if anyone, and I'm taking, I'm, don't make a career out of one game from the perspective of Isaiah Simmons or make a career out of one play for like that, the Ararata Mostert that he ran down the field with, right? But if I mean, anyone, sick if play. any DC sports fan will sit even either during the course of that game or between now and the course of that game and said, you know, we should have drafted Simmons. You're a fucking idiot. Like, how could you possibly think that? Even if you said we traded back, I mean, shit, look at the RG3 trade. You still can't oh, say like, yeah, we would, have, we would have been better for the, we would have been better off drafting Isaiah Simmons. Like, I'm sorry. And that's not making a career. like again out of one game for just Chase Younger or, or Simmons, but like, come on, like look at the talent pro- profile. And I will say one thing for anyone who's going to disparage Simmons on the other end of the thing, again, going back to Vance Joseph, I don't think he has any idea how to use Simmons. The one thing when I wrote this, like in my pre-draft, like manifesto of like, you know, scouting all the top 50, I was like, Simmons is a fascinating athlete. One of those, when we were talking about it in the, pre- in the preseason thing about um, Kaliki Hudson, right? Where this like, is kind of this mold where you have almost positionless defense and like Simmons fits that, that you could legitimately play him at five different positions on the defense, basically any spot outside the defensive line and he could play there, but kind of like other players of that ilk, you need to have a very specific and logical plan to nurture that type of talent. And I don't trust Vance Joseph whatsoever to, to develop that type of growth plan for, um, for Isaiah Simmons. And I think this was exactly to your point, like the, the coverage of Mostert out of the backfield is a perfect opportunity of how not to put him in position to grow. Man, he, he got, I mean, Smoke. granted, Mo- Mozart is like, wow, that dude is fast. Uh, Mostert is really it, good, but like you couldn't. <laughs> well, I don't care how good he is. He, I mean, when he got that ball, he was, I was shocked at how fast he was. Um, it reminded me of Minuski a little bit, putting linebackers out in space with running backs. It's just never a good idea. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't, you know, I, I want to say we're going to win. I'm like, oh. I'm still running. I'm running so high on this damn Redskins win today. I am punching uh, myself in the groin repeatedly right now because I'm so optimistic right now too. And this is when bad things happen. So I'm, I'm going to say we're going to win uh, just because, you know what? It's 2020. Who, who gives a shit? Uh, we're a fan podcast. Put the burgundy shades on. I got my Redskins hat on uh, to cover up my outrageous hair. Um, 
I think Murray's going to get his. I think Hopkins is definitely going to get his. I think you'll see a little more crisp, uh, crisper offense because, to your point, when we scored that first touchdown, when Haskins went four for four, he threw an absolute strike. Oh, no, it's a different track. Um, anyway, it went four for four, but we went up tempo and like things just clicked. Yep. And in the second half, we we went up tempo a lot and we actually scored on five consecutive possessions. So I think like the offense will be more, more crisp. I think the defense will, will be there. Um, Seven point dogs is ridiculous. That's insane. Uh, I would love to see how that line swings over the course of the week. Yeah. Well, the Eagles opened at six and a half. And game time was five and a half. I did take us at six and a half. Did it really one. get all the way down? I'm surprised it got down to five and a half. If you told me it, got, it went up to seven, I would have believed you. Um, I I was so bullish on this damn Eagles game. I don't really know why. Probably because I knew that uh, their left tackle was out. Yep. But when I woke up, because granted, when I wake up, I woke up about seven. It's ten o'clock your time, so these rumors are already coming out. And saw Lane Johnson wasn't playing. Oh man, I was all in. I was like, time to eat. Um, but I I think Chase Young is gonna have another big game tomorrow or uh, next tomorrow. Sunday. Um, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna pick the skins. You know what, man? Pass some of that Kool Aid over. Uh, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the same thing. Shit, why not, man? 2020 has been such a mind fuck as it is we need something to look forward to so i'm gonna I'm glug the kool-aid as well um kyler murray just reminds me of chasing the chicken in rocky three for anyone who's a fan of that film franchise it's like you know but man this defensive line the way they played um Kenyon drake is one of those running backs who's like he looks good but he's like just i mean it, you yeah, can you can he, find Kenyon drake or not traded by so many teams exactly and I mean, that, I mean it's not that good um at the end of the day, I'm going to put my – I'll put some faith even given the struggles. Maybe they can get that cleaned up over the course of a few days with the offense. Um, but the defense is there to be had. It won't give the same level of problems anywhere, the same level of problems, frankly, that Philadelphia's defense did. And I think we can do just enough to win this game and steal another one and start the damn season at 2-0. and And I – well, my 5-11 and 11, or I can't remember if I said 5-11, and 11, 6, I think it's in 6-10. and 10. My 6-10 and 10 record will, always start to, will look already a little stupid by that point. But you know what? I don't care. Yeah, we both took – Six and ten. We both took the over on five and a half wins. Yes. Um, the yeah, I'm, I'm in the Kool Aid. I'll pour. I'll pour you a cup. Um, this is a little off script, but I'm gonna go with it. Shout out to Ryan Kerrigan, uh, 2011 draft class. Which, by the way, if you go back and look at it, is outrageously stacked outrageous. When it comes to when it comes to um, Cam Von Miller. Yeah, JJ Watts in there. Um, so is the immortal Robert, Robert Quinn? Robert Quinn's in there, and the immortal Blaine Gabbert. Wait, so yeah, dude, he had great hair though. Inside joke, um, my friends who made it this far. But Kerrigan, nobody talks about him. He's got 92 sacks now in his career. He's all-time leader for the Redskins. He also picked up the fumble to basically seal the win today. Like, he's still so good, and he's been good for a long time. And now he's the all-time leader in sacks for the Skins. For the Washington football team. So I just want to give him a shout out because we never talk about him. We always talk about Sweat or Young or Nides, but Kerrigan's always there. Yep. Yeah. Kerrigan's always there. I really hope nostalgias can be a, a double edged sword in many cases. Um, I can't remember what Kerrigan's contract situation is off the, off the top of my head. I believe he's only got one year it's left. It's his last year. Right. I really hope, in terms of the regime change and like installing stuff like that, where he does get pushed out. I don't want to see him go the Tom Brady route. Um, I'm going to double down. Tom Brady to Tampa Bay was the most overrated offseason acquisition. 
of any offseason acquisition. You look that kind of dumpy today. Right. Uh, and double down on that. If Tampa Bay didn't have such a soft schedule, I would have missed, picked them to miss the playoffs. I'm still not 100% confident. I picked them at 9-7. and seven. That's a separate topic for a separate day. Um, I don't want to see Ryan Kerrigan finish in another uniform, just from a nostalgia, from an emotional standpoint. Um, no, he's a skin. He exactly. And I think of all the transition and all the hype that fizzled, I mean, you know, we talked, I alluded to Griffin and among all those different players and stuff like that, like it's nice to have one guy. I mean, shit, Trent Williams was Mr. Redskin for a long time. And even that, even he's gone and burned the bridge on his way out. It's nice to have one. Like that's our guy in the bad times. Like that's still our dude. And I just, I don't want to see him wear another uniform. If it does, because that's what the NFL world is, he's obviously going to retire as a member of the team. Um, but yeah, I can't say enough good things about him. Did not have a good season last year um, for just being completely honest, but I mean, he played well, he played well against dropped, the Eagles Minoski last year. Was, yeah, exactly. Minoski had no idea you how to use him. Um, yeah, no, I, I love Kirkin. He's on his last year of his contract. I, I see the quotes that come out from like uh, Chase Young though, when he says, yeah, Kerrigan's one of the dudes. That dude. Um, yeah, that dude. I, I think Rivera will reward him. He, he's, for those who listen to my Nats podcast, know I love Zimmerman. Uh, I, hell, I call it Zim's Corner. He's got a Zimmerman vibe to me in the sense he's quiet, does his job, is good. Um, gets like outrageous hate sometimes when he doesn't have a sack because he's not, you know, Von Miller or whatever. Uh, but I get the vibe that he's going to want to come back, finish with the Redskins, and he's kind of Chris cool in this way in the sense that he'll make a deal stay because I don't think he wants to play anywhere else. Yeah, uh, I I, so he, because, he's not like oh, I, I need to cash in big time on my last contract so I can go somewhere else because that's the most important thing for me. Like, not to take any way away who wants to make more money because that's the point of capitalism. But like, I think she, exactly to what she said, it's equally as, if not more so, important for him to stay in town and finish his career where he first started. Yeah. Plus, you get another year of playing. I mean, that defensive line is going to be together next year too because I think we've already picked up Allen's fifth year. Uh, and then we'll, I'm sure we'll pick up Payne's option too. Oh, so yeah. that line's together for another year. They'll have to make some tough decisions um, elsewhere on the roster, but I, I agree. I don't think they're going to break that up. And if they do, that's going to have to take some real creativity. Um, but that's another conversation for another day. We will leave it here on that note. Um, thank you for everyone who's made it so far into the podcast or this far into the podcast, as we implore every single time, um, subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us if that's a term on youtube and whatever like us whatever it is if we try to actually post this on to um onto that channel but until then we hope to continue this on a weekly basis win or lose uh but thank you for listening we hope to talk to you later thank you for listening to the hail to the district podcast be sure to subscribe to us on itunes or wherever you download your podcasts